Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Sinusoid. They are your one place to go, the only place to go. Okay, they're not the only place don't to go. Don't go anywhere else. But you shouldn't. You should Sinus- go. Uh, Sinusoid.com, don't go anywhere else. Yeah, that's our endorsement. Do yeah. it. No, seriously though, go check them out. Super great cables. We're in love with them. Uh, they're going to have all sorts of new tech flex coming in soon. I'm really looking forward to my cables. Texan and flexing. Texan and flexing. Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, modding, trading, crap. <laughs> the guitar, buying, selling, modding, fixing, trading, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. You did it, Steve. Oh, man. We've been doing this, what, like three years? Yeah, I, I got a little distracted in there by something. Buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, uh, reviewing, playing podcast. There you go. Whatever. I mean, I can do it real fast, but uh, if you want to do it slow and sloppy, that's fine, too. Whatever. <laughs> So what's new, Steve? Sounds like a personal choice. <laughs> I, I, somebody said that to me the other day. Not I'm the pers- fastest, making me the best. Somebody said that. We, I was talking about how I was trying to decide between two things. I don't even remember what these two things were. Uh huh. And I was like, yeah, I could do it this way, or I could do it this other way. And I just can't really figure out like what it is. And I realized like whatever this thing was. Like, it was a really kind of a dumb choice. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I know. Like, this sounds really dumb, and it really only affects me. And then somebody came over and was like, ugh, sounds like, you've, sounds like a personal problem to me. I was like, well, yeah, that's literally what I just said. Yeah. It's I'm my a- problem, and it doesn't affect anybody else. Steve, I give you permission to have your own personal problems. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so, Steve, uh, yeah. w- would you rather... Have your penis recite the Gettysburg Address 24 hours a day or have your hands like constantly covered in sticky honey? Um, That's a tough one, right? Uh, I mean, it's a classic question. I feel like the honey one seems like the better one. Yeah. Like the, the, the penis part is loud. Like everyone can hear it. But then, like, honey, it just makes such a mess. I know, I know. And actually, in my line of work, like, the honey would be more distracting than the, than the Gettysburg Address 24-7. Then how do you sleep with that? With the honey or the Gettysburg Address? The Gettysburg Address. I could sleep with the honey. You just put your hand inside a couple Ziploc bags. And <laughs> you're, I mean, it's not like it's oozing. You're, it's just there. It's not. Right. It's not. No, like, it is oozing. Like, your hands are oozing honey. But like, like if saying, you try to wash it off, the honey reappears. Right, but I'm saying like, at least if you wash it off, it would temp like you'd have like maybe like thirty seconds of non-sticky, like a couple seconds of sanity. Yeah, where you can't ever turn off the Gettysburg Address. How is how is it being emitted? Like, could I just wear lead-lined underwear and take care of that? Like, if I wore like twelve pairs of underwear, would it be muffled? It's loud enough that like people will be able to tell there's something going on, no matter how much you cover up. What if I put it in like a soundproof box? <laughs> oh, then you're gonna be walking around with your dick in a box, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta do what you well, gotta do. Well, obviously, there's no clear answer to this question. Let's uh, let's dive into the podcast. Yeah. Huh? 
Yeah. Uh, you want to do housekeeping first? Uh, yeah. This uh, this week we got a uh, a uh, pleasure to the best friends level. Uh, Tori Ochsner. Ochsner. Perfect delivery, Steve. Yeah, ten out of uh, ten. Thank you, Tori, for uh, your pledge. Uh, Five dollars a month. Um, as I mentioned, I think last episode or, or a couple episodes ago, we're still waiting on additional shirts to arrive. And then once that happens, we're going to do a bunch of shipping to everybody because we have patches in and everybody at the best friend or inner circle level is getting a patch. And, uh, and I guess you can also buy them. Yeah, and we're going to be selling patches. Do we have a price on that yet? Uh, I'm thinking $4 and then maybe we'll do something cheaper for like if you get it with a shirt and stickers. Right. Like shirt and stickers right now is 20 bucks. Maybe we'll do like 22 bucks and you get everything. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. We will uh, solidify those numbers and get that going. Yeah, absolutely. The stickers, I mean, the, the patches look great, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're fantastic. I need to put them on something. They got a nice thick layer of the sticky stuff on the back, too. Yeah, that was what I was uh, really interested to see. And it's definitely, you could you could stick that to a thing. Yeah, you have to iron it on. But yeah, there's, right. there's plenty of glue there. These you could are- probably use a heat gun. Yeah. I think you need the iron for the direct heat See, contact. Is a heat gun not hot enough? I, don't I think know. the heat gun is hot, but it'll scorch the front side before uh, it melts right. the back side. Right. So right. that would be my concern. Uh, so yeah, go check those out on our Facebook group and wherever else we have them posted. And then, uh, oh, I just want to thank everyone who does pledge any amount of money, $1 to $10. That's a range of rewards that we have. Like, like we've been able to get all this stuff paid for without having to sweat it at all. Like it's just taking like getting all the shirts. I just bought a bunch of travel stuff to go to Cowerfest and yeah. then to uh, Summer Nam, and then we bought the patches and a bunch of other stuff that we've been doing just gear wise and promotion wise behind the scenes. And it's just like having people pledge just makes it easy, and we don't have to pull out of our personal funds and make this a hardship to continue yeah. you know, producing you know, the show. It's funny, like, and I know we've talked about this before, and I feel like we're just going on and on, but, like, uh, one of the guys who donates a dollar has been donating a dollar since we started. Uh-huh. So he's donated, like, 25 or $30, which is, like, literally more than something. Like, it, we've had people who, like, joined the best friends level and were there for, like, five months and then something happened and yeah, you know, yeah. personal or whatever they had to bail. And it's like, man, like this guy who's been giving us a dollar has given us more money than like all these other people yeah. over the course I mean, of time. It doesn't time. matter how much they give us, Steve. I love them all the same. No, I know. It's just funny. It's like, I just a, love them differently. You know, you, we throw, always say like a dollar or, you know, $10 or $20 or whatever, but like the idea, like every dollar literally like oh, absolutely. It, it adds up. Absolutely. So if everybody who's hearing this gave us a dollar, we still couldn't quit our day job. <laughs> We'd be a step closer, though. We could do a lot of really interesting things with that kind of money. Yep. All right, let's jump into the show. Uh, yeah. First ad. Oh, am I not going to get to do what's new? Oh, do what's new, Steve. So uh, we talked about this probably a few weeks ago. I don't know how many weeks ago. It was episode 166. It's now episode 174, so it was literally two months ago. Uh, but I got the uh, Wong's Mini 5. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we, there's a, a, a little internet drama. I, I think at this point, I feel like the internet drama is down a lot, but that just might be because the guy who, who does their U S distribution or your, their U S dealing or whatever, it's like banned from every group on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so I got this, uh, I got the mini five from them and I f- got to use it live, um, 
this past week, and I don't remember if I've used it live before. I don't feel like I have. Sure. Um, but it sound, I thought it sounded really good. Cool. Uh, I had to like do some stuff to dial it in because it is like because it's a little five watt amp. It you know it compresses more than um, I'm used to. Uh huh. And uh, so that but that just was like oh okay this is like compressing so it's a little darker so I just need to roll back the bass and mids a bit more and were bump, you playing bump the trouble up lead guitar in like a full band mix? Yeah. No, well, yeah. Well, I was playing uh, just electric guitar, I guess. I don't okay, know. but you weren't playing the rhythm parts. You were playing. I was playing all the parts. Okay, oh, playing all. I the was parts. playing whatever parts I needed to play. Okay, so yeah, I guess like lead. Sure. Except when I was strumming. Right, right. No, yeah. you, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. You weren't the you weren't leading the. Band I was the only electric guitar, and I was not uh, fronting the band. Gotcha. Yes. So, do you feel like it cut through the mix pretty good? I don't know because you know I'm our my you're on amp in- is on stage. You're on in ears. Right? I'm on in ears. You should be so able to tell in in ears because it's all about EQ. It's not about volume. I thought it sounded, but I don't know what it sounds like out there. I of felt course. like I felt like it should have cut through the mix if it was done um, properly. I'm just asking if in your in ears if you felt like it sat in a good place EQ wise. Yeah, yeah. I thought it sounded fine in my in ears. Do you have the issue where like you feel like your in ears always sound wrong? No, I always feel like my in-ears sound really good. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just mine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, You still need to get your ultimate ears fixed. I know. I was using the uh, ME6s. I think they do fittings, the at, is, I think they do fittings at Pitbull They now. do. They've been doing them for a while. You need to go down there, man. Yeah. Next time you go to a baseball game, just drop by there first. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a long way. That's not really on the way. I need to, it's I just actually, a little farther. I need to drop in there on a Sunday because I'm already, I'm literally like uh-huh. drive past, past there on a Sunday. Um, but yeah, uh, in ear issues aside, I felt like it cut through well. I felt like it, you know, it took pedals really well. I used the, uh, the Matthews architect V2. Oh, nice. And the, um, Friday club El Cardinal, which is still one of like my favorite drive pedals. Yeah. Uh, and both of those, I thought, sounded really good with the with yeah. the amp. And I bet the Matthews sounded really nice pushing yeah, that little amp. Yeah. Uh, so I was just really happy overall with the way it turned out. You know, is it better than a Katana? I don't know. It's more expensive. <laughs> it, it is more expensive. It is more isn't expensive. It? <laughs> um, Man, one of those Katanas hit the local used market. One of the fifties. Yeah. One hundred and fifty bucks used. Yeah, it's only fifty dollars cheaper than new. This, but it's like. They're already so cheap new, like 150 bucks for an amp you can gig with is right. crazy to me. Right. I still just, I, someone made a mistake when they were pricing those things. It's nuts. I'm sure they, they cut enough corners to, yeah, yeah. There are probably some like, it's, it's probably something where it's like 50 watts means they use some component that they're like is built for like 300 watts of heat dissipation. Right. But, like to be safe, they just call it. They like have it limited down to fifty watts, like something insane like that. I have no idea, man. Yeah, it's supposed to be. Uh, I read somewhere that's supposed to be Class AB. Like it's the solid state. It's on. solid state. Yeah. It's all. None of that stuff's important. <laughs> all right, let's jump into these. I was ads. say it's not important. But I mean, it means something. Yeah. Um. So first ad, I found this on local Craigslist. Yeah. Down in a kind of close to your area, North Claremont. I guess it's not. It's yeah, that's kind of close. Yeah, well, it's closer to me than you. That's true. That's true. This is a custom Ibanez RG120 chalkboard paint, two hundred dollars. 
This is a truly unique guitar. I bought it a few years ago and painted the body with chalkboard paint. As you can see from the pics, it is, this is in excellent condition and the ability to change the graphics to whatever you are in the mood for is really cool. It shreds well. Oh, as well. Come check it out <laughs> and give it a try through one of my amps. I feel like I want to make a patch now that just says shred well. You can check out reviews zen. here. I do not want any tattoos. Uh, local cash pickup only prices firm. Thanks. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, th- this is one of the cheaper RGs, right? This like, is like probably the like one of the cheapest RGs. It's got like the knockoff Strat trim sort of thing going yeah. on, but ha- but at the same time has like a Floyd Rose aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. It's not a Floyd Rose, right? It's not double locking. I I don't believe it is. I think that's just a regular Strat setup, but it, with like a certain style to it. Uh, but uh, well, here's here's what I'm going to ask you. How do you feel about chalkboard paint in general? Have you had any experiences with it? I think chalkboard paint is fine from a like a perspective of. I always feel like. I realize I just stopped mid sentence. Chalkboard sure. paint, like it only works a couple times, and then you're left with a big mess. Right. I've had okay experience with chalkboard paint. Um. And maybe that be, that's because I've seen people paint it on like you know walls that already have like a uh, orange peel texture. Oh, you're and right. And so it becomes really impossible to to clean it all the way. Maybe it works better on a guitar that started out super smooth. Right. Um, I've seen it on a lot of like stuff for kids. It seems like it works yeah. okay. It's hard to keep clean, but it always like works. I guess. Um. I just imagine I think this making hard. a big mess, like on your forearm, like if you if you draw something where right. your arm's going to oh, go. Oh yeah, the, from the guitar. Yeah, I, I don't. I You're going to get process that big smudges there. Yeah, it's very. That being said, strange. if you had a chalkboard guitar, what would you write and or draw on there? So hard to say. Who can know? Who can know the future? <laughs> Who can know what Steve would do? <laughs> I would probably like. I'd like to think that I'd get like super creative and draw all sorts of like crazy designs on there and get like very specific for each show or like have messages on there for, specific to each each show. But I'd probably just draw. I'd probably just write like whatever beer I want from the bar on there. Oh my gosh! And be like, buy me this beer. I just like, like you said, like with the forearm thing, I just, I'm having trouble working past that. I don't, and I guess the downside of it is he says like, oh, you can change the color out, but really you're stuck with black. Yeah. You can't really have any, like red chalk looks bad. It usually does. The only chalk colors that typically look good are all pastels. And white. And white. Yeah. Um, So you're, you're. Yeah, you can make it any color you want as long as that color is sky blue, pink, yellow, like light green, yeah, purple or white. I'd rather have a dry erase guitar. Dry erase guitar could be cool. Yeah, cuz I like white guitars I feel in like, general. I feel like a like any Fender is already a dry erase guitar. That's probably true. Like that high gloss? Yeah, or just pick guards in general. Yeah, I mean, I know dry erase boards have like a are made out of like a specific material, and eventually it kind of wears out. But like, you can do dry erase on glass, yeah, and it'll just come off. And the surface of like a poly finished guitar is 
It's glass esque. Obviously, you can probably it's not do dry glass. erase on that toaster guitar you have. Oh yeah, for sure. What's the name of the the, the Godan Radiator? That's right, the Radiator. It's got a huge pick guard. Yeah, but it's a perloid pick guard, so it's gonna break yeah, it up. It'll work. It'll work. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know about this concept. I just imagine it getting really dusty, looking over time. Uh, and you wants, have to leave it unfinished, so you have to be comfortable yeah. with like a completely like matte finish. Matte fin, not just a matte finish, but it's gonna be like. I mean, how, I mean, I guess you could like paint it and then try to like buff it so it's smooth, but it's never going to be like slick. Yeah, yeah. And then like imagine like, oh, I just got shivers. Imagine like you accidentally scrape it with your fingernails. Ah. 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 Does that even, does it, does the chalkboard paint? Do that though, probably. Because I just think of that oh. as being like chalkboard when it's actually. Oh like man, a my board. bones hurt like thinking about it right now. I don't know. Oof, that's that's a rough thought. Uh, they want two hundred bucks for this thing. What do you think about the price? Um, what these things have to be at two hundred new, right? Yeah, this is pretty much around the price point that these were new. Um, it's not like a great price. Uh, you can get like you can get a red one from Music Go Round for eighty bucks. Really? Yeah, you can buy one on Reverb right now for one hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah, two hundred bucks is a is a no go. Shoot, on this. there's another one at Music Go Round for fifty bucks. What? So these are like the entry level RGs. I don't know if there is a lower model of RG. This is the lowest uh, on eBay. It says price starting at twenty five dollars, but there's probably like there's probably a bid. Um, they're just. Whatever. I mean, they're very cheap guitars. Yeah, yeah. If this, if you were wanting to experiment with a chalk finish or chalkboard finish, this is definitely the guitar to. Obviously, it worked out with. great, and it's the best because the guy is selling it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world. I just, I just have trouble imagining how it would actually work out. Yeah, I, I just. I mean, you could you could have like your satanic metal bar band on a Saturday night, and then when you get home, like clean it up and like write Bible verses on there for your church. Well, band and so that's the thing the is like, like you're saying, like for specific messages, like if I was doing like a like a you know if I was a because I'm already a youth like which is like junior high high school uh, church musician uh-huh. leader, and I guess if I was doing like children's music, like elementary school age like this could be a cool thing like, oh yeah yeah you could write fun messages on it you could like have the kids like give the kids a bunch of chalk and have them decorate your guitar like you could do some fun stuff but that's what it w- would be limited to like i don't feel like i don't feel like chalkboard paint is an idea where i'm like dude chalk you know would be cool is like this guy saying like oh you can re re-art it like change the art all the time like, oh man, like what if I played like what if I was in this band? I should get my I should buy a Les Paul and totally do this. Like Right. It's something that like you do with a guitar that you know doesn't matter, that is like gonna be a beater. Yeah. Which is totally. like the perfect scenario for again for like children's church. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he did it to the right guitar. Thankfully, he didn't, you know, defile some really nice guitar. Yeah. So there's that at least. All right, let's get into uh, the topic. Yeah. This uh, was proposed on our Facebook group. We did a call out for topics, and topics. Tony Wayne said uh, he just wants to talk to talk away about giveaway promotions, like in general. Uh, we've participated in a couple of these over the years. Yeah. 
and well, shoot, we just did that uh, that uh, half horse. Contest. Yeah, yeah. For it was for Gear Nerd, right? Oh well, that we did that one too. I was thinking of the half horse contest we did with Gear Slum and uh, Flip and Flipper. Oh, that's right, that's right. Uh, but yeah, before that we, we did, did the, the, the Pelotar, pe- the Pelotar. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Gear is it Gear Nerds? Gear yeah. Nerds. Yeah. Um, and then I think we helped promote the the Tone Mob Mega like giveaway they did like a year ago or something like that. We didn't participate in it, but we were like helping spread the word about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just it seems like every week there's a new big giveaway that's out, kind of like haunting the uh, the social media. <laughs> Everyone's trying to to get at it. I feel like it's better now than it used to be. It used to be a lot worse. Yeah, I you know giveaways are a thing. I don't know now that it's it's kind of funny because now that Instagram is very much like. Uh, curated content which i've said right before that i i actually dislike the curation they they do i'd rather it just is in real time and i get to see everything in chronological um i this is the one upside of the curation is like when people post that post their giveaway stuff if you don't interact with it, eventually it just stops showing up. Oh, so yeah. if like if one person does it and then like three other people on your feed also do it, and you don't like any of them, like those people become a lower priority on your Instagram feed, and then you just stop seeing this stuff overall. I also just I do the gear giveaways when it's newsletter based. You know, subscribe to our newsletter, do this, that, sure. whatever. I don't. I don't know. I the social media ones are just it's dumb. It I mean it's worth I it feel if like you they win. Have, they never really pay off. Well, on the ones that we've participated in and thrown ourselves, like even like our own like contest was like, oh, like subscribe to the YouTube channel and you'll get this pedal right. and you know, win it. That took I feel so like it, long. It took so long. I feel like they never really pay off all that great. I think they pay off better for people who are trying to gather contact information for like email lists and stuff like that. Right. Because then you have an email list. Yeah, I don't... A lot of brands are trying to build their socials, you know, their Instagram, whatever, and I get... That's that's good, I guess, if you're trying... If you have... If you're releasing new stuff. I think it's good for like guitar companies... Right, uh, small guitar companies, um, where it's like, oh, we just finished this guitar and this finish, so you just take a picture of it and you slap it up on your Instagram, and like, someone might be like, oh, I've never thought about that color before. I totally want that now. I'm totally gonna get it. But I don't really know how. I don't know what the advantage is for pedal builders. Um, I know we were talking earlier tonight before we started recording about. Uh, starting a newsletter of some sort, which yeah, maybe which in that case, like, could be kind of worth, um, you like know, pursuing a contest, doing a con- doing some kind of like email sign up contest, where it's like, you know, it would could even be like almost like the YouTube one we did, where it's like, hey, we're doing this contest. Once we get a thousand subscribers to our newsletter, we're going to give one subscriber. Okay. This thing, and you know, which is kind of like how the uh, like the pro guitar shop ones were. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to go on there and give them your information and answer some questions, and um, and then of course we have to write into the fine print like 
if we if we had like a if it was like something that we did as a sponsorship that whatever thousand emails that we get signed up like would also be distributed to that dealer network which right. which in turn like people get really like pissed about and it's yeah. like like duh that's what the contest is for is to gather information and to get something out of an audience like, not not and I don't mean this in like a bad way but all of these brands that are participating in like an eight pedal giveaway, they're not doing it for fun. Yeah, it's not because they have extra pedals laying around. Like they're, do- I mean, maybe they're doing it a little bit for fun, or because like they might be- they might see some kind of advantage. There's more with- fun you can have than like running a contest, right? <laughs> right. They can just go on any gear form and be like, "Hey, man, you want a free pedal?" and just be done with it. Yeah, you know. But- Which would be rad if companies were out doing that, like, <laughs> like. Today's secret word is this. If so, I see someone saying it on a group, then I'm going to yeah. give away a pedal. Um, <laughs> today's secret word is a secret. We're just going to hunt around and yeah, exactly. do it. We're going to pick our fa- favorite person on the internet today and just give them a pedal. Uh, but I mean, and, and again, like I don't, the, the data gathering is like, that's where the worth is. That's the idea is like, okay, if I'm going to don't donate a pedal to this giveaway or give a pedal to this giveaway, that, What's my return? Yeah, you know, eight eight brands are in on it. You know what? What I don't. I mean, I don't know what the cost is to generate like, uh, you know, three, four, five, six, ten thousand person, whatever email list. Oh, it's. But, I'm sure it's not cheap, and it's like it's got to. Like, if you're just buying contacts from people, like it's not going to be as hard focused as people who are right, trying to win right. something. So, so you get those that focus. You get those that uh, that focus demographic. And, um, and hopefully like you got to get some kind of return on it. So if you get 10,000 emails and you have like a 1% return on that, then you're selling like, um, a hundred pedals from a 10,000 person list. Like yeah. that's where your return is. I don't know if the, those numbers probably are like even 1% off of a 10,000 person list is probably high. Yeah. But, yeah. If it's, and the reality is, yeah. is I mean, let's be honest, like I, I mentioned before, like, we see a lot of the same people entering giveaways. Like, oh, sure. You know, I enter giveaways all the time. So that also means that like, you know, how much I mentioned pro guitar shop earlier, pro guitar shop has, I think it's pro guitar shop. Whoever does the tone report. Yeah. I think it's PGS. Uh, uh, tone report weekly. They do a free pedal Friday every week. Uh-huh. So they get my information every week for free pedal Friday. My information doesn't change. I'm just getting on more and more mailing lists. Right, right. You know, and, uh, but at the same time, like, if to throw out like a, a brand like JHS or, or whatever, like they are doing one of these contests and they do their contest, but, uh, so JH, like with eight other brands. So JHS might be getting my email information for the first time, but like, if Matthews is also on that one, Matthews is, I'm already on their mailing list. Like, yeah. I'm already on the Matthews mailing list. Am I not on the JHS mailing list? I don't know. I don't ever join these things. I have, you know, I have a view that I'm never going to win, so why bother? Right. And then right. I never win anything, so it's like self-fulfilling, I guess. Oh, man. You're a loser. <laughs> you never <laughs> I'm a win. Big loser. I think I am probably going to throw 100 bucks at Cowerfest today into the pot. That only gets you five tickets, man. Is it? They're $5? I think they're t- 20 bucks a pick. 20 bucks a ticket? 20 bucks a 
Well, I'll throw some money in. Maybe I'll throw our entire uh, inner circle budget. Oh my god! And then uh, whatever we win, we'll do a raffle for. How to re- recoup? It. How ridiculous! <laughs> It'll be a double raffle. No, dude that that would actually kind of be insane. Is if you just took like a month of inner circle and threw it at the cower raffle, uh huh, and then whatever. I, you know, inner circle slash crowdfunding, and then whatever was won, we uh, went back to the mailing, like to that core list of like fifty. Right now, it's like fifty or sixty people, and did some sort of contest, and just friggin' assigned numbers and spun a wheel. Yeah, that'd be crazy. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that though. <laughs> if I win something, I'm gonna. It depends on how cool it is. I might want to keep it. You could win more than one thing. You yeah, never know. that's true. That's true. I was thinking about fixing up that Dean over there and uh, taking and it up. Donating it? To Cowerfest and donating it to the contest. It's oh like a gosh. dummy prize. Making it really weird somehow. If it was cool. Yeah, I'll make it cool. Yeah. Someone will do it. Yeah. Uh, do we want to jump on to the next ad? Yes, jump on to the next ad. This is a travel vox. Uh, this was sent in by... Tommy Hijelmagrin. Perfect delivery, Steve. Uh, Hijelmagrin. Uh, let me know if I got that right. I'm pretty sure I did. Hijelmagrin. Thanks, Tommy. Um, this is a custom Vox travel guitar, 250 bucks. Easy traveler, loud pickups, big sound. Um, did a caveman write this ad? <laughs> <laughs> Easy travel, loud pickup, big sound. So <laughs> this is a Vox... Um, I, what is this like a one of their when Vox was making those guitars a few years ago? I think yeah. they still are making them. Um, did they make this or did someone modify one? This is modified. So this is a what Vox SDC. Um, I'm not actually sure what model it is because I've never seen one with the kind of tailpiece that's on here. And look, this case has got to be custom for this thing. Where did he get the case for this? It looks like a pool cue case to uh, me. Or some kind of like tweed yeah. tweed rifle case. Um so I don't I don't know. Like I said, the bridge is also throwing me off because I've never seen that bridge on one of these voxes. The um, bridge or the tailpiece? The tailpiece. Okay, so what's going on here is that the bridge is normal, but the strings are flowing over it, and then the tailpiece is like a Steinbrenner tuning tailpiece because it's headless. Oh, I didn't realize this was headless. Yeah, they took the head off. No kidding. So when I screenshot this, every time, because the headstock is so close to the edges yeah. of the photo, I just thought that <laughs> that the photo cut the headstock oh, off. Oh, okay, yeah. No, they Unless this was made by Vox to be this way is a weird one-off, like someone cut the head off of this guitar, okay, which so- makes me wonder what's going on up there. Like, how's the trust rod doing, you know? Because I don't yeah. see a truss rod access at the base of the neck. Um, it maybe the truss is just sticking out the the end. Yeah, hopefully they didn't screw up the connection of the truss rod up there somehow. Because I wouldn't want to fiddle around with that at all. Well, the truss is usually recessed, so you should be able to take the headstock clean off right, and right. keep the truss intact. I guess that's true. I mean, some some truss rods stick out like the bullet strats, right? But that's like a that's, that's a fender the, thing. That's the nut. That sticks out. Oh, that's connected to it. Yeah, like that's. Uh, I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. And you think about all of your other strats. Like you could take the headstock off of a strat, and your truss is is yeah, inside I guess that's the hole. True. 
Um, it's a really weird thing to think about. Yeah, it is weird to think about. I wasn't a big fan of these guitars when they came out. I tried them out in the shop in a in guitar center, and I just wasn't super stoked on the playability or the sound. Really? I know they, this... Oh, they had the... What it was was the pickups. They had those weird pickups. Yeah, this, they have the... They don't have a reputation for... They have a reputation for having a very, like, unique kind of sterile sound, I guess. Yeah, well... Uh, I, but I, I've never... I've never played one, so I actually don't know a lot about the playability. Because it's trying to be three things at once. It's trying to be a humbucker... Right. ...and a P90... Yeah. ...and a single coil... Yeah. And it doesn't do any of those things gotcha. well. It's kind of like a big compromise, and everybody loses sort of situation. But I, I, you know, I understand the concept. And then also, I remember the pickup being a really weird dimension, so you can't swap them yeah. out easily. Yeah. Um, I actually. Oh, and that maybe that's another thing that's going on here. Yeah, I think they did some sort of job to put a different pickup in the bridge on this thing. Um. The one thing I do like, I have to say, like I think, I think the implementation on this guitar is interesting. Like, so we ba- haven't even talked about yeah, this, the biggest physical so, feature. So, what of actually it. makes this? There's two things that make this travel. One is the the lack of headstock um, right. that Ryan mentioned. Then the other thing that makes this a travel guitar is basically I don't know what is that like an inch, a uh, half inch above the pick ups the body is cut off yeah it's just a straight cut looks like they put it through a table saw yeah and but uh, it looks clean i don't see any like biting on no the finish, it, it looks good which makes me think that that the person who did this knew either knew exactly what they were doing or this was actually done by vox which would surprise me because this is so weird i don't i like, like i said i would be really surprised so, so yeah. what this person did is they drilled a couple holes in the uh in the body, they drilled a couple holes in the wing. They put dowels in the wing. Yeah. So you travel with this guitar, and then whenever, whenever you're, I guess, playing your show, you can play the same guitar. You just slap the wing into place and go to town. Here's my question: the that top body part is yeah. held up by dowels. Uh huh. You're not connecting a, a strap to that horn. No, the uh, the you're strap's got to be the, behind the, the neck. The strap right? is behind the neck. Okay. The strap, uh, yeah, the strap peg. Um, I just look at this and I'm like, why not? Why just just ditch that part of the guitar? Leave a flat cut up there. I think it looks kind of cool. It does look cool. So I mean, you don't have to put it there. Yeah. Isn't there like a some punk rock guy who like took a guitar and cut off the top part like that and just leaves it? I feel like Eastwood had a like a a uh, reissue or like a, a, a hmm. you know like a. They made a guitar in that style as a homage to the guy. It's possible. But it was like years and years ago. I don't think it's on their, their build list oh, anymore. Okay. There's some punk rock guy. I can't remember. But it has that look. And I think it actually looks pretty cool without the top part connected to it. I would just leave it. Maybe that's what I should do to that blue Dean over there. Just cut <laughs> a big chunk off of it. Um, well, that's, I know, that's my two um, cents anyways. Just on the topic of... Um, the guitar thing, uh, Johnny Resnick from Goo Goo Dolls had a guitar that was like that. Oh, really? Um, I don't know if it's act if he's the if he ever had anything going with Eastwood, but one of his, I, I want to say it was a strap, but I just don't, I, I really don't remember, was like smashed up and then he right. was just like, but he would still play it all. Oh, yeah, here, here it is. Um, yeah, or it was a Telecaster. Show you this picture. 
Oh yeah, and I've it's seen just that. missing like the top yeah. half of the body, and I think it was like a guitar that he smashed, and it was like, yeah, because despite the fact that they launched themselves to success on the back of like a freaking acoustic guitar power ballad for a Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> um, they had like a reputation before that of being like a pretty, not like hard rocking band, but being like just this adult alternative right. rock, but like being, having like really crazy shows. Well, I never heard anything about their shows. Here it is. The Eastwood Pete Shelley. Oh, huh. Who's that? I'm pulling up a reverb ad for it. See? Weird. Oh, from the Buzzcocks. Yeah. I only know that because I saw at the top where it said Buzzcocks. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, like a single pickup, like Tisco sort of yeah. look. But then it's like the top, like in their model, like the wood grain is sticking through. Like they did not cut corners. It looks <laughs> like the guitar was actually cut. Uh, How weird. Yeah. 600 bucks used, free shipping. I don't know. It's an interesting look, and there's precedent for it. So. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, Two fifty for this thing, though. What do you think? I'm interested at two fifty, but I, I mean, also you realize that, that you can get these like without this for like three hundred. Yeah, and yeah, cheaper. They're, they're uh, they don't have a ton of value. There was a local shop trying to clear them out for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that shop that like posts sh- Craigslist ads with the tiki's. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Those guys are always on the uh, for sale by owner section. And I'm just like, uh. I don't think their shop is an actual physical shop. I think they're just online sellers. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I follow them on eBay more than I do on Craigslist. I mean, to be fair, like most of their stuff is pretty eclectic. Like it's not like they're selling, trying well, to I sell. I think like, they're an actual dealer of some sort. Sure. Like they are a dealer. I And I, actually, I thought they had a physical storefront. They have a physical location, but I don't think it's an actual store. I've tried to look it up before. Oh, weird. Yeah. I think it I think their location is like just their warehouse or whatever. And they just sell out of there. It's out in East County. I need to drive by there sometime. Like it's over by the uh, the drive-in theater. Yeah. It's not too far from where you do your video stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. My piano my piano work. Uh, you want to jump into the next topic? Yeah, uh this past week Gibson revealed details on a new solid body model. Um, they teased these back around Winter Nam. Yeah, they were at a different show than Winter Nam, and then they didn't have them at Winter Nam, which was weird. Yeah, like what were they at? Like a what were they, consumer electronics? Consumer electronics show. Okay, yeah, um, which is so weird because then they like I think they mixed up their booths because the uh, the booth that they had at Winter Nam seemed like it was geared more towards like consu- <laughs> consumer electronics. It really did. Why didn't they have this guitar there? So now finally we get details on this thing that we didn't get to see in person. Uh, it's basically like a PRS meets PV shape. Yeah, it, the body shape really revi- reminds me of the Wolfgang. The whole two knob and a switch is very uh-huh. uh, PRS. Um, the shape in general, I guess, is kind of like towards that like double cut PRS look. Um, this is going to be, this is, they're calling this the modern double cut. Um, and it is going to, uh, it says it sports an extra long neck heel and swept extra long neck and swept neck heel. I'm not sure. I don't know what an extra long neck is. It just means a longer uh, scale length. So what is it like a fender scale length? I don't know. 
Uh, and then it's going to be available in Firebrand and six uh, variations on uh, colors. Well, um, they're, they're showing a picture of a gold top. And the gold yeah. top looks great because it's a gold top, not because of the guitar. <laughs> yeah. What? How yeah. do you feel about this guitar? Do you do you like it or you dislike it? Or are you, I just are don't you like, really don't have care? any feeling on it. I um, don't like it at all. Really? <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't. I didn't like that kind of shape when it's uh, when it's a PRS. I don't like that kind of shape when it is a PV. You know what's funny is like we throw. It's, I, uh, I, I think the thing is that I do like traditional Gibson double cuts. Right. So other people I'm have maybe pointed this out before, but it's also a very Gibson M M three shape. It's leaning towards that, but the, the M3 is way more extreme. Right. Well, and the M3 is all, was a flat uh, flat top as well. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a super big difference, I think. Yeah, but the M3 was like a super 90s shredder attempt. I don't know what they're attempting with this other than just trying to, like, steal some of PRS's market, which is weird, considering they've sued PRS so many times for, like, infringing right. them. Their design. It's also going to be four thousand dollars, and that part is ridiculous. Um, like, I but I guess that's Gibson Custom, so it's, a, it's supposed to be better. Yeah, I don't know. I look at this and I'm like, I see what they're trying to do. They want to be, you know, seen on stages held by you know current modern rockers, and that's kind of like a current modern rock sort of look, I guess. Yeah. But to me, like current modern rock is already so dated and so tired. Like I'm just burned out on that whole aesthetic, you know? Right. I don't ever want to see another Mark Tremonti ever again <laughs> or, you know, whoever else in, you know, that mod rock style. I can't see like people who are into like the kind of stuff that, you know, like you and I and other people we know are into playing these. I mean, maybe it's just like we're in our own niche, we're in our own clique, I guess. But I don't, it just doesn't seem like a marketable guitar to me. I really don't understand. So I'm looking at the picture of the neck joint, and they make a really big deal about this swept neck heel on the webs on the website and, and all the all the documentation. But it it says, oh, it's a first of its kind. But it looks like a standard. Did they reinforce the the headstock? Uh, the headstock. Does have a, a extra long tenon? I believe is what uh, it says an extra long neck tenon to. Oh, no, sorry, a sleek new apex headstock car for strength and durability. They finally fixed the headstock. Yeah. So, so I will say this: like by calling this the modern double cut, this is kind of what they should have. You know, we can go on and on about Gibson twenty fifteen, but this is like another one of those things where it's like in twenty sixteen they. Went back to like so. Twenty fifteen, of course, is when they decided we're going to put robot tuners on everything. Right, right. And they only had three models, I think, in in their standard. So their SGs, their Les Pauls, uh, in two thousand fifteen, that didn't have robot tuners on them. Um, and then twenty sixteen, oh, and they all had like the zero nut or the zero fret and all this stuff. And purists freaked out, and people who hate robots freaked out, <laughs> and all this stuff. Um, but in 2016, they scaled that back. They went back to guitars that are more along the 2014 model line. And then the stuff that had the, you know, these extra fancy features were all released as the 
HP series or high performance or right, high power, right. depending on, I think it was supposed to be high performance. Um, and that makes sense. So, I mean, we can look at this and we can say this isn't worth $4,000. Um, but I do really appreciate that one, this is Gibson custom shop. So it, like I said, it's whether you think it's worth $4,000, like that is on par for sure. Gibson custom shop. Sure. And two, like they are unveiling things that aren't classic Gibson things like this net carve and, and, uh, this, I mean, this heel and the reinforced headstock, because I guarantee you, if you put that reinforced headstock on a, you know, an $1,800 Les Paul and you called it, you know, the, if it was like the new upgrade to the Les Paul traditional or, you know, the 27 or I think it's 2,700 or ish dollar Les Paul standard, all of these, like people are going to come out of the woodwork showing like, this isn't a standard Les Paul standard Les Paul has though. Breathe on it, breakaway headstock right, right. that gives it gives it the unique Les Paul sound. <laughs> it's supposed to break, and then you fix it, and then it finally sounds like a Les Paul. So, <laughs> so I think from a from a design standpoint, like what this is really gauging is you put this in select stores. People come in, they try it out, and they go, "Huh." I really like these features, but I don't have $4,000. And then Gibson just waits for the emails and the tweets and whatever else to come in being like, Hell, Gibson, you these, think they these are really to, cool features. You think they listen to their audience? No, but I want to <laughs> pretend. <laughs> I don't think that's within Gibson's character at all to listen to the requests of their audience. Because otherwise they would just be making standard Les Pauls and SGs and Firebirds. Yeah. For the most part, in but like I'm saying three, like in three finishes that everybody loves. This I'm saying like this is an opportunity for them to put something out at such a high price point that they don't have to make more than like fifty. That's of true. Them. Yeah, they're not experimenting with and their entire line like they, they did in 2015. Yeah, and then if they get positive feedback on, it, they can be like, all right, let's uh, let's roll one of these into like a yeah. special edition Les Paul that's priced you know around the two thousand dollar mark. Yeah. And then it becomes a risk worth taking. Or they just come out with a $2,000 version of this. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at it and go like, oh, but I can get a, a, I mean, I a look at PB this, Wolfgang for 400 bucks. I look at this body shape and I feel like when I look all the way down, there should be an Epiphone headstock on it. Like, that's right. my impression I, of it I anyways. I understand that. I, I can get that. Yeah. Now let's jump on the last ad and get out of here. Boom. We're not going anywhere. We have another episode to record. All right. This last ad was sent in by the Inboxer. Good old Inboxer. This is the Rebel Yell Gun. This is the Steve Stevens and Billy Idol Rebel Yell Ray Gun from 1983 in Space Gray. It is $1,500. This is basically a Nintendo Zapper. It's not a Nintendo Zapper. It's, a, it's like a dime store ray gun. Yeah. It says, this is what a lot of people who are Steve Stevens fans have always wondered about. The ray gun that was used to create the various sound effects and help to popularize the Rebel Yell song recorded by Billy Idol and Steve Stevens. That was a weird sentence. Yeah. In the studio, Steve used a Lexicon PCM41 to create a lot of the higher pitched effects on the album. When playing live, he used a ray gun with adjustable speed rate and custom potentiometers wired into the gun to create different sounds. This happens to be one of the seven that Steve Stevens built and used on tour in Japan in 2000 while on tour with Billy Idol. I'm not going to pay $1,500 for anything 
from year 2000 era Billy Idol. The year 2000. I'm just going to say that. How do you feel about that uh, that sentiment? Um, I think somewhere, uh, I don't know. I was going to make a Billy Idol. I mean, comment. Billy Idol has a couple peak years where it's like, yeah, that stuff in there. And then yeah. And those years stuff. were 1983 and 1984. Yeah, and exactly. Maybe 1982. I mean, he was popular for a long time, but it's like, it's not like he has a, a massive body of work spanning decades, you know, like he was, you know, a, a flavor of his times and that's great. I love right. Billy Idol. I'm right. not... I'm not pissing on Billy Idol at all. Uh, also, I think we stood, that would be gross. We stood near to Steve Stevens at the first Nam that we went to. We did, and then I I looked at him and I was like, "Why are everyone? Why is everyone gathering around that guy? I don't get it." And someone bent over to me and they're like, "That's Steve Stevens." I think I was you like, took Who? A pi- I think from you, Billy Idol. Oh, okay. I think you took a picture of him in like people of Namdom. I might have. Yeah, it might be on our Instagram. <laughs> But I think this is a really interesting little gadget. I actually, this is going to shock you, Steve. I did homework today. <gasps> I looked up videos and I, and I looked up ads of these and stuff like that. There's a, there was a guy on eBay selling a reproduction of one. Like he found the exact same gun and went and, and modified it and he sold it on eBay for 150 bucks. So if you can find these guns and you're competent to modify them, you can make some scratch on eBay. Uh, but it was the exact model of this plastic toy gun. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I watched some videos of him using it and other people kind of messing around with it. And yeah, it just totally does that sound. It's got your typical, you know, import ray gun sound banks in it. You know, it's got the, the and it's got the in it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, it's the thing is, and every time you pull the trigger, it cycles. Right. So you have to preload it to just oh before gosh. the one that you want for sure. And then you pull the trigger and you rack that uh, that pot on I, the back. I feel like I need to uh, actually like listen to uh, this album because I'm or like some of the songs here because I'm having trouble like hearing. It's a very what, specific what part. It's not all over the album. It is one specific part in one song. Oh, okay. He pulls this thing is out. Is it in the song Rebel Yell? Yeah. Huh. Like if you when you hear it, you're probably gonna think, oh, I probably just always assumed that was like a Floyd Rose, gotcha, or and or like a delay like racking sort of right. thing. Um, but it totally makes sense that he's using a ray gun instead. Well, in the recording, he's using some lexicon thing, but uh, he uses it live to great effect. I found some live videos of it. It sounds really cool. It makes me wish I had one. Not fifteen hundred dollars and not one hundred and fifty dollars. Why does it have to be? Uh, you know. Measurements of of currency that have one in five at the beginning. 1500 150 15 15 I'd pay $15 for one of these. Did you pay $15,000 for one no, of these? No, I wouldn't, Steve. <laughs> I would pay 15 cents. I'd pay a buck 50. How about that? A buck 50? What about, what about uh, did you already say 15 cents? Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah, I already ran the gamut. Oh, you've already gone. What about 1.5 cents? (laughs) How am I going to get half a penny? Uh, You buy two of them for three cents. Oh, good point. Yeah, I'd I'd buy two for three cents. All right. Uh, (laughs) Thanks again to our sponsor, Sinusoid. Um, Go check them out if you're looking for cables, especially, I I think, 
they have patch cables in stock right now, but maybe not the sliver stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but they've got all sorts of stuff. Go check them out. Uh, they are going to be bunking up with me at Cowerfest. Cool. I mean, well, not bunking up with me. I'm at bunking Cowerfest. Up, I'm bunking up with, with, uh, with them in a hotel, uh, night of Cowerfest. Uh, it's going to be me and Clifton Worley. And uh, I think Phil Eisenhower is staying the night before and then leaving the day of Cowerfest. But it's going to be a bunch of fun. And then I'm going to be bunking up with them again at Summer Nam. So I'm going to be spending a bunch of time with the Sinusoid Boys, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Those guys know how to have fun. And they make great cables. And smiles. All right. <laughs> um, this, uh, this week's song was sent in by Ian Maddox for the band Askultura. Uh, I'm going to try to figure out exactly how to explain this. Um, explain it to me, Steve. Basically, this is the... Uh, so this song... It says the footage covered. So they sent us a link to their YouTube. I'll try to remember to include this on uh, the the show notes as well. The song's called "In Water We Trust," uh, and this says the footage for this video covers several water-related urgencies around the world. So one is the hashtag No Dapple, the North American pipeline or the Dakota pipeline mm-hmm. uh, from Standing Rock. It also um, Features a band from Peru called um, Kuyaki and uh, Pedro Arazo from the band Gogol Bordello. Cool. Um, so that's that's actually pretty cool. So uh, so that covers a, a, a water war of 1999-2000 that was in Bolivia, which I believe is where the Peruvian band comes in. And then um, there's a – oh, no, there's a, actually one of the things on here was from a mining consortium. That's in Peru or that's affecting Peru. So there's a lot of different things here. Uh, I just thought this was a cool song. Always happy to play cool songs. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing it. Yep. Hope you guys have a great week. We're almost out of songs, by the way. Uh, Send more. If you want to send us something, 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. Steve and I are on a desert island with just a single palm tree to give us shade. And we're stuffing notes into bottles and corking them. And the notes say, send more songs. Bye, guys. Bye.
Nothing belongs to us, it's in the water that I trust! Yeah. 